Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hangs with Trap Dad. I'm your host, Trap Dad. Today is January 29th, 2018. It is 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time here in Lansing, Michigan. I have a special guest tonight by the name of Leah Racine. She's a world-renowned author. She's written many books, including My Life is Your Life. And uh, one of my favorite books she's ever written is Memoirs of Leah Racine, an Escape Mormon. Thank you for having me, Ricardo. It's really great being here. It was a long trip down, but I'm glad that I made it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It's uh, it's, it's also a pleasure uh, for you to finally uh, be on the show and for me to actually finally meet you in person. Um, I've been a fan of your work for at least the last five years. Thank um, you. Your Life is My Life is, was a fantastic book, uh, definitely really motivational, um, and, it, and it helped me a lot. Uh, so I appreciate you writing something so personal and uh, something that people can relate to and, and kind of put in perspective for their own self. Anytime, uh, awesome. you know, my life awesome. is a story, so I'm just trying to uh, put it into words on paper. So well, that, that's what an author it. does, I hear. That's what an author does. So, um, the most interesting book that I've read that you uh, created was your memoirs, and that's actually uh, basically your life. Yeah, um, it's a Leading up bit... to now, or leading, well, not now, but leading up to when the book was actually published right so um, when did you start writing that book uh, probably back in 2009 is when I really started opening myself up to pen and paper and I realized that the more words I jotted down the happier I was so I was like let's get this started it's a lot of uh, good history about who I am as a person and where I came from specifically okay and that book was published in 2012 I believe correct? 2012 correct okay. February February 2012. Okay, so you, you touch based on a lot of stuff on that book, including uh, you know your early childhood, uh, growing up in the UP, and that's the Upper Peninsula for those who are listening outside of the state of Michigan. Um, and you grew up around the Marquette area, I believe. What was the actual name of your village? Ishpeming. Ishpeming. Okay, so it's a small village outside of uh, Marquette, which is located in the Upper Peninsula. Only um, about 4,000 people. Okay, so that's the population of the entire... Okay, wow. So, uh, l I mean, let's dive right into it. I mean, um, some of the more interesting things that happened was uh, when you were younger, you were exposed to uh, Mormonism. Um, I believe in you, you and your family belonged to a church through my research that I've seen that was um, created and founded by a gentleman named Damien Hushberg, who is uh, of German descent but moved to Michigan uh, essentially to start a, mich a mission up in the UP, um, a Mormon mission. Uh, he, he built a church and then he ended up getting a lot of followers and they built a community around the church with small shops and 43 houses and families. Um, so let's get into that. What, what was that like being a part of that? And then, uh, you know, escaping or getting away from that type of culture? Well, uh, Ricardo, how much time do we have tonight? Because we have a lot of time. We have, we have a lot of time. Great, great. Um, so, you know, it was pretty crazy growing up in such a strict, uh, closed mindset of how this world should be viewed. More specifically, what we should be looking forward to after this world passes. But, um, yeah, we did grow up in about the same neighborhood of 42 houses. That is correct. I'm glad they got that information right. 
Right, right. Um, well, I looked it up on Wikipedia, so okay. I don't know how correct that actually is. But. Um, you know, it's hard because I never knew who was related to me or not. You know, I before coming down here, I didn't realize that the human race was more than just blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> and so that, you know, that was really eye-opening to me. Um, I'm still trying to adjust, but it has been a little while now, so... So basically, everyone that you were surrounded by was people who were in this community at first. Correct. And, you know, you can't marry anyone who is not part of the four walls of your church. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So how long were you actually involved in this type of church? Um, I was probably there for about five years, the first five years of my life. And that really affected how I view the world today. So you escaped when you were five. No, I didn't escape when I was five. I didn't get out of it until I was about, mm, probably about 16. So. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick, 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 quick break, and we're going to jump right back into it. Hey, welcome back to Hangs with Trap Dad. This is your host, Trap Dad. I'm sitting here with Leah Racine. We're uh, talking about and discussing her book, Memoirs, a story of Leah Racine and the escaped Mormon. Uh, I think I chopped that up a little bit. I'm sorry. But uh, let's get back into it. So um, you escaped when you were 16, you said, correct? 16 is when I left the church. My uh, family was very, very upset about it, but I'm still trying to mend those bridges today many years later um but i think it was the best decision i've ever made in my entire life okay so it, it, how did you escape i mean how did you go about like okay i'm not going to be a part of this anymore i don't want to be a part of this because in the memoirs there was a couple situations we were saying where damien the leader was just acting super irate and really violent towards some of the members and, and taking advantage of them and, and utilizing and taking their money from them um, and then you kind of realized that and you, and you kind of took a step back and saw the bigger picture like, wow, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So throughout that process of seeing the bigger picture, um, I actually had to take a couple steps into it myself. And I thought my eyes were opened, but they were actually pretty closed. I didn't realize I was going to get as much um, beef as I did from that church. Um, one of the biggest memories that I have is when I was 12 years old, I let my elders of my church know that I do really enjoy looking at women. And they made me go on to the pedestal at the church in front of the entire sanctuary full of about 70 to 85 people. And they said, you need to confess your sins. Um, so that was, that was probably really embarrassing for you because you had just... It was, yes, it was. And that was you basically coming out. That was me, you know, like, maybe if I can embrace myself, people will realize that, you know, like, life is better being open and being honest. And right. it was, like, totally different than that. So are you, like, shunned from that community now? I mean, you, I mean, you, I mean, cause you still live up there in the Marquette area. Um, but as to my understanding, you kind of live in, like, a wooded, secluded area. You're not Correct. really yep. around... The Pishmay, I believe is how you say it. The village? Ish, the, oh, Ishpeme. <laughs> Ishpeme, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, talking. I was like, what nah. are you talking about? <laughs> so you pretty much were shunned from the, from from that community. Um, do you, I mean, do you see anyone from there anymore? Like your parents or any of your relatives? 
Um, no, not really. About once a year. I actually just went up there about two months ago and it was a huge thing. They thought I was a demon. I opened up my Bible and I was like, I am dyslexic. I can't read this. But the funny thing is, is I can read my own handwriting. Wow. Um, and and that, they, which is so weird because you're an author, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. So I uh, almost got admitted to the hospital there. They told me that I was a demon and all this crazy stuff. I was like, can you back that up with text or any writing? And they said, no, no, we just, you need help. Um, according to doctors, however, I did not need help. And they said, it sounds like a personal religious issue that you need to take care of. Right, and this kind of led to you, uh, and, and, I, and I'm sorry to try to narrate the story because it is your story and I'm not trying to take it from mine. Um, so, from my understandings, uh, after you were basically shunned and, and you didn't really get any kind of contact with the people that you were familiar with, um, you started using uh, narcotics as like a crutch, um, per se, to kind of get through like this depression phase that you were in while you were essentially just banned from the place that you came up from. Correct. Um, not, I wouldn't even say that I used it as a crutch. It was more so um, the fact that I have always... Well, actually, I was never even told about said substances and stuff like that. Um, and then I tried them for the first time and I was like, this is what the real world is like. This is what it's like to be alive. And uh, man, <laughs> did I mess that one up. So what happened? You went into... Uh, what they call a drug-induced psychosis. A drug-induced psychosis. psychosis. Okay. So what, what what were some of the things that you were doing? I think super sporadic and manic and... Pretty much, or...? Yeah, that's pretty much all it was. You know, I... Uh, what they would say is I was totally unrealistic, but I believed that I was actually living out the stories in the Book of Mormon and the Bible itself. So that was pretty crazy. So you felt like you were actually living the stories that you were reading. Correct. So what was that like? What kind of things were you seeing or, or visualizing or experiencing uh, under the psychosis? Um, so I was totally disconnected from time. I did not believe that it was passing. Um, I didn't believe you could go backwards either. You were just here. Um, and it's interesting though, because I kept thinking I was running out of time. Like before I knew it, this world would vanish because as the Bible states, um, you know, flowers, they vanish after some time and in a blink of an eye everything is gone so um, I was just kind of waiting for that moment to happen I'm not exactly sure why I felt like I had to save everyone in my vision so I was driving down the road um, I, they say that blood is the only thing that can save and I believed that if I was throwing out Sour Patch Kids the red ones and Swedish fish candy um, out my window not only did I believe, but I visualized the entire road or the road that I was driving down turning red, like pools of red were just spilling out everywhere. And because of that, I saved those people that were driving that day. Wow, that is fucking crazy. It was pretty crazy. I did feel very powerful within myself. Um, however, the church believed that that was um, almost like a possession. Like I was possessed. Some like by Emily Rose spirit. type shit right. where you needed to be. Right. But uh, <laughs> the weird thing is they don't believe in the um, 
casting out of demons because that was only in the past. So I was pretty much screwed from there, you know? Right, so you're basically just fucked. Yeah, pretty much, but, wow. you know, um, time is still moving forward from my understanding. <laughs> right, so it sounds like a pretty crazy time. Um, in your memoirs, you there's another great story in there. It's, it's really small, but it's, you had a friend growing up um, who is still your friend now, I believe. His name is Dante Gotti. Correct. And uh, He is getting weaker now. Is um, he? He only, I believe, has about two years left to live. But he's made it to 27, so, you know, he's Yeah, and that's awesome. And, and, and shout out Dante, um, if, you're, if you're hearing this. Um, so, Dante was diagnosed at an early age um, with a essentially like a, a birth defect or deformity where his body didn't produce enough body fat for him to really sustain um so he was very 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 thin super thin um and from my understanding you were really like his only friend in school like in elementary school and high school growing up um and the kids they, they picked on him a lot right they, they did pick on pick on him a lot um i was a really great right friend of his but uh I think it was just because my favorite food was spaghetti. So, and, and that correlates because, in your, uh, according to your memoir, they used to call him El Dante Spaghetti because his name is Dante uh, Gotti. So they would call him Spaghetti like he was super thin, like a spaghetti noodle. Yeah, so they, one What would they yell? They would yell spaghetti. Yeah, one specific memory I have, um, it would happen almost a couple days a week. They would go, Spaghetti, Spaghetti, your legs look like noodles. And I would always tell him, you know, it's better to be called Spaghetti than to be called Panacuku. Right. Which I guess is true. So it, it seemed like after a little while, uh, he started kind of embracing the Spaghetti. He uh, did. And um, his mom started calling him Spaghetti as well. Correct. And... His mom was a very, very big portion of why he became comfortable with, with that word. Um, and, and unfortunately, his mom passed away at an early age when you guys were only about 12 years old, correct? Correct. She had, I believe, breast cancer? Breast cancer, and she also had the same, I don't know the word of the disorder or disease that he does have, but the same exact thing. She right, just, right. Yeah. so she just could, she couldn't produce essentially enough body fat. To Any really fat or muscle. To sustain. So, she I mean, was, it was kind of like a genetic uh, thing that had run in their family. Um, what I would like to do is uh, read a passage from, from your book, if you don't mind. Oh, yes, thank um, you. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Hey, welcome back to Hangs with Trap Dad. This is your host, Trap Dad. I'm sitting here with Leah Racine, renowned author. Uh, we're discussing her book, Memoirs, that was uh, published and came out in 2012. Um, for those who missed the last segment before the break, we we're talking about her childhood friend, uh, Dante Gotti, um, and how he was kind of bullied in school. Um, and basically what we wanted to do, or what I wanted to do, if it's okay with you, is I wanted to read a passage out of your memoirs, um, which, which was like my favorite part of the book. I felt it was really, really uh, sentimental and kind of emotionally uh, captivating. Yeah, definitely. I actually uh, brought the book with me today. Right, and I have so, my yeah. copy awesome. as well. I'm ready to have a book book, yeah, so I was already planned for you. Let's open this up and uh, see what that favorite passage is. All right, well, it's, you know, it's a little bit. But uh, so in memoirs, it's uh, chapter four, page 137. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit from that uh, in regards to... Uh, 
Dante. So I'll just give you a quick backstory. Um, you were basically hanging out with him. His mom had passed away when he was 12. Uh, so you were just kind of, he was kind of uh, confiding with, within you, like how he felt about his mom and you were talking about it. So Correct. Let's get into it. So I found myself over at Dante's house and we were sitting and talking about his mother. I asked Dante, what was your favorite memory of your mom? And he told me when he was younger, he had long hair and his mom used to sit him on his lap and uh, she would comb his hair and brush his hair all night. And she would tell her son, you know, son, you have hair like an angel. You have angel hair, spaghetti. And that, to me, was a very touching moment because his mom embraced the name Spaghetti, and that's kind of what got him to accept it and not let people who called him Spaghetti really take effect of his life. Right, I don't even would say I wouldn't even say that it was um, she was saying this to not let that term um, affect his life. I think he was able to just embrace it, so he was able to eventually live his life how he could in the fullest way. Right, and um, by him appreciating that term spaghetti, I am able to give him a huge hug and a pat on the back because I'm very thankful for that. You know, like I said earlier, spaghetti is my favorite food. So <laughs> every time I right, hear that, right. it just makes me almost salivate. Right. And, you know, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, you know, shout out to uh, Dante Gatti or Al Dante Spaghetti, whatever you go by now. Hope you are feeling well if you're hearing this podcast and uh, much love. Over here from the uh, Trap Dad family, as well as Leah. Um, so l- let's get we into another. We love you, Spaghetti. <laughs> so let's get into some other stuff. I mean, uh, it's my understanding you've been you've been practicing uh, stoicism for a little bit, or you just kind of new. You just kind of new to it. Um, Very new to it. So philosophy, and you're yeah. reading uh, Epictetus, his book, The Manual, um, um, which I've also read as well. Um, it's a great book. Uh, and it's really about things that are within your control, things that aren't in your control, and really the only things you're in control of is like your emotions and how you feel about things, and things that aren't in your control are like reputation and what people say about you and property and stuff like that, and basically just not letting anything outside of your control um, affect about how you feel. Right, um, so that uh, the manual is very, very new to me, but I really appreciate how... Um, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the name. I can't really... Epictetus? Epictetus. Right, Um, right. I really appreciate his outlook on things because, um, like it says, you know, finding the nature of what is in and out of your control, that's step one, you know, that's one of the most important things. That's one thing that we as humans, I believe, miss is being able to take a step back and look and be able to differentiate. Differentiate? Right. Right. So that's awesome if you haven't checked that out. Now, let's get into what we really came here for. And that is... Tell me, what did we really come here for? To discuss motherfucking time travel. What the fuck is time travel? 
So time travel. <laughs> Does anyone oh, know? Yeah. Because we were, like, we were talking in our emails before you came up here. Uh, we had both watched the Netflix series Dark. Uh, it's a German production. Uh, super fucking good. Literally makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, those wormholes, they got me a little fucked up. Right, so this, uh, this is, for all those who haven't seen Dark, this is going to be a big fucking spoiler. Um, so if you haven't seen the show, maybe cut the podcast off now, or try to watch all ten episodes uh, right now. Watch them, and then just pat yourself on the back for not understanding a single thing that's going on. Right, because there's a lot of, like affairs and and people fucking killing kids and kids missing and uh i mean german people are very fucking weird and the thing that confuses me the most so there's this kid named mikkel he goes missing um in the present moment um 2019 is the year that they base that off of as the present moment um he goes missing and he's living life back in 1986 Correct. 86, 86, yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I don't fucking know. Which blows my mind because he's moving forward in these moments back in 1986. And right. time is still moving at the present moment. Um, so it's like basically like But he's time... a different person back in the 80s, which right. I'm not. Right, so it's not. It's, so, so it's like time is not linear. It's not like time is moving left to right. It's almost like these events are happening, happening uh, simultaneously. Um, in the past as well as as they are in the, in the future. And it's fucking nuts. So I don't really know if they're time traveling. That's one thing I like question to myself a lot is are they time traveling or are they just taking a body from the present moment and putting a new consciousness in it? Right, which is leads us to our next uh, topic, the movie Get Out. Have you seen this film? I have not seen it. Okay, that. so we won't talk about that, but... It has, you know, that that's kind of the premise of that movie. Great movie. Um, but yeah, so since I've watched that show, I've just been fucking looking up hella shit about time travel. And I've gotten nowhere. You know, I, um, if you are looking into time traveling, I don't know if... Because I want to travel myself. I want to do it. I want to go back. Um, So one thing that I would encourage you to look into is the chemical uh, LSD. Um, I believe that is my one thing that I've found that is closest to time traveling. And if there's a way that we can incorporate that into the... Well, and I did read that if you you inject yourself with enough LSD, uh, whether a tablet or liquid form or whatever, that you actually will time travel. You do. You do go back to your childhood. It is a chemical that is found in your brain um, while you are a child. And it's one of the most nostalgic experiences that you'll ever experience. But, um, you know, I'm very grateful for that because I'm able to look back at a very innocent time in my life, um, even though all that innocence has obviously been broken. By the Mormons and Damien and his fucking and his crazy... uh, rule and regime over there in, in, in Marquette. Um, um, have you ever read the book um, in the Dark series, A Journey Through Time? If nobody has read that book, I really encourage them to read it. It's right, very I've not informative, read it. but it's a, it's filled with theories, you know? They don't... Right. 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 Which I think time travel is a theory. Unless you do LSD, which you can actually in fact travel back in time. Um, well, hey, you know what? It's it's We've had couple different discussions about various things but um 
was a pleasure, Leah, to have you on the show. Thank I'm you, I'm glad you came down here from Marquette. I hope the weather, you know, didn't fuck you up too much. It's probably worse up there, I'm assuming, because you're basically Canadian. That lake Canada. effect. That you get the lake effect, effect from... What lake is that? Lake Lake Taka? Lakes, no, it's Lake Superior. Um, and one thing I would like to mention is UP Pride. We would love to be our 51st state one day, our own 51st state, called Superior right. Land. Uh, we don't believe that anyone below the bridge is more superior than us. Anyone below us in the whole United States geog geographically. So, uh, you're all trolls. You live under that bridge. Uh, that, that's those are really harsh say. things that you guys say, but I mean, I know that's the belief you guys have up there. Just but, uh, uh, say ya to the UP, and thank you, Trap Dad, for such a great night. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to uh, to chat with you. Um, thank you very much again. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome. I think we got some uh, some cool conversation in, and and got to uh, hear a little bit about your childhood. Um, so that's gonna wrap it up for tonight's show, January 29th, two thousand eighteen. I'm going to close with uh, my man, Philanthropy, and one of his tracks, Clockworks, one of my favorite tracks. Uh, he's a lo-fi hip-hop artist. Uh, definitely check him out. So uh, until next time, holla at your boy.